Welcome to Weekend in Drama Land, the official podcast of It Started with a KDrama.com. We are dedicated Asian drama lovers that are ready to spread our wings and bring our love for dramas to a whole new media platform. Together, we watch a blend of Korean, Chinese, Taiwanese, Japanese, and Thai dramas, on occasion, Filipino dramas as well. As best friends in real life, it's only fitting that we get to share our love for crazy tropes, chocolate abs, killer OSTs, and so much more with all of you. So sit back, relax, close your eyes, and let us guide you through the world of all things Asian dramas. I'm your host, Andrea. And I'm your co-host, Tiff. As a disclaimer, we're native English speakers. While we're expert drama watchers, we are not expert speakers with other languages. We are bound to fail at some pronunciations. So please don't mind our mistakes too much. We will strive to do our best and learn from our errors. In time, we are confident we'll improve. Again, we hope. Alright, so, it's been a while, everyone. I'm sorry, I still don't have internet, and right before Christmas, I got the flu, and it took me until the end of last month before I saw I was actually going to live again. So it was bad. Andrea wasn't feeling too hot herself, and just chaotic stuff so here we are in the middle of february <laughs> so sorry so where are we as a podcast what do you think Andrew? where are we <laughs> good question well last month was a, a slow month for us and mostly i've been doing the drama watching as tiff herself hasn't have that hasn't had access so I've been upping my blogging game so if you've been at it started with a kdrama.com you probably noticed I have a little more content than usual and I'm probably watching like four to five dramas right now so I'm definitely getting back into a routine with watching dramas so I guess our hope is that with our next podcast that we'll have a whole new drama to weekly recap with all of you. What do you think, Tiff? Yeah, either way, I will find some way for me to watch it. Say so time of the year where bills are like strangling. Anyway, um, yeah, that we're working on. Also, we have some other stuff in the works we can't talk about right now because it's not concrete. It's kind of a thing we're gonna experiment with and see how it goes. I don't know. Since I can't watch anything, thankfully, my neighbor who's still letting me use the internet like for a little while um i've just been reading chinese novels um they're boy love but however they're really good they're the what's called like a danxia wuxia and they're really cool right now i'm reading a couple that are being translated from the raws so thank you out there to the translators that are generously going from simplified chinese to english because i can't speak chinese at all and definitely can't read it either. So. Yeah, I, I, I really can't. Um, also, I'm getting really excited for next month. I am a huge fan of the Devil May Cry series made by Capcom. They're Japanese. Um, I, I'm just really huge into those type of games. And I'm really happy that this game came out. And yeah, I know it's not a drama, but hey, the dialogue's always funny. And it's Asian-themed, so hey, it's still relevant, right? I mean, come on, it's just a ride. Although, I wouldn't say it's really Asian-themed, being that most of the stuff's more like, I don't know, European-looking, kind of, sort of. But nonetheless! But the masterminds behind it yes. are Asian, so... Yes, they're Japanese, and I love the original voices in Japanese far more than the English, so when I get the game, I'm gonna have 
Japanese voices, but English subtitles. <laughs> uh, let's see what else. Oh, also, cooking adventures. I've decided I really am going to try to attempt cooking something Asian-ish. I was going to make my own udon, but uh, the tofu requires being smushed and the water coming out, and I'm lazy. So my tofu is still <laughs> sitting in my fridge. Because we have those K-snacks still that we have not gotten to. I have those beautiful bowls that I got for my birthday to make the udon in, but I have not taken them out of the box. We did do a video of us unboxing the snacks and showing off the noodle bowls I got. But we're not really sure how the quality is going to show up because we used Andrea's phone. So we may or may not put the footage up. If not, I would just have to do a podcast where you hear me talk about whether or not the food has killed me. <laughs> but either way, I'll load it up on my computer and we'll see how the quality came out. And if it's usable, we'll be glad to kind of share that information so you can actually see what was in this cool Korean snack box. and. Mm-hmm. Maybe between then and now, we'll sample some of it and we can actually do a proper review at the blog, which mm-hmm. is actually exciting, not knowing what half of the snacks are. So Yeah, because most of them are just in the Hangul. There's very little English. I have to be really careful. I have a peanut allergy. Thankfully, when I was looking through it, it does show, you know, if you have an allergy to peanuts, it says contains peanuts. So at least it's obvious so yeah, we're for allergies. Because I really don't feel like going to a hospital. <laughs> um, so I think what else are we doing for Rosabla? I guess that's really like it for our main plans. But like as I've asked you guys in the past, if there are anything you want us to do or talk about, please just say it. We're very versatile <laughs> and very open to everything, especially me. <laughs> yeah, and we'll, we'll virtually talk about anything or at yeah. least try to talk about or at least Anything, check out whatever yeah. it is. Like, you know, I know Andrew probably has, like, those Korean beauty masks. You could try them out one day and give you a little review. Oh, yeah. I've actually been doing some of them. I did do a review once on the blog. I think, oh, like, sweet. Over a year or so ago, but I've been using some more. I actually got them at um, CVS Pharmacy after Christmas. They had a whole bunch by um, Cream Shop. They were like 75% off and they were in the clearance and they were still in the display. And I literally grabbed all of them in my hands and shoved them in my cart. There was probably like 15 of them. No <laughs> joke. So I've been using those. And I have been actually posting uh, pictures and stuff of them on Twitter. So if you are on Twitter, don't forget that my name there is Kimchi Dreams. So when I'm actually watching dramas, sometimes I'll occasionally post. Or, for example, when we were at Barnes & Noble, a bookstore here, over the weekend, we found this nifty little K-pop end-capped section. Had little uh, BTS, EXO, I think there was something, another one. Yeah, I can't remember offhand. Andrea had me take a picture of it with her phone, so we have have proof. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it exists. It was a really sad, like, tucked away display, but it's slowly... Yeah, it was right um, on the end where the nursing books were, (laughs) so that's like a rather weird place to put them. Of course, it caught my eye, because if it's like Asian or Korean themed, I'm like, have some kind of like, radar. Basically, if it's got an attractive Asian male, she's going to see it. (laughs) Yeah, I don't deny it. (laughs) We're bad. <laughs> so, 
Are there any of the dramas you're watching that you feel are notable to like mention now or anything? Well, sure. Uh, not too long ago, I blogged about uh, Kingdom, which was the six episodes. It's the the Josen uh, zombie drama, which I had a complete blast watching because I'm not going to be here to spoil spoil tiff so I'll kind of keep what I say to a minimum but that one was so fun from start to finish and I loved how kind of like dark and creepy and how these uh zombies kind of had different characteristics a bit than say traditional western zombies so there were some really fun elements and also because the fact that it was on Netflix they were allowed to be like show more gore, a little more violence than if it was on like a cable or one of the the main uh, Korean networks. So that was a huge drama that I, I really loved. And if you like this sort of kind of viral plague dramas, this was such like a refreshing twist to think to see it. Um, I think I, I forget who I told about this before, but it kind of reminded me of a little bit of uh, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Like taking the historical and adding this zombie element. Oh boy. It was just like so fun and like so fresh. It just felt so original and different. It's like you've when you're someone who's watched a lot of Korean dramas, it gets to the point where you start to know what to expect. You recognize those tropes the familiar plot lines and the familiar setups and writing, you just start to recognize all those patterns. So what I liked about Kingdom was that it didn't necessarily follow all those patterns. Yes, there were some tropes that definitely you knew that, yes, this is a Korean drama, but it also was completely different. And it was weird because once you got into the sixth episode, it completely ends on a cliffhanger. So it's like before the main action and this confrontation of all these zombies truly happens, the series ends. What's really cool, if you've been following news, is before Kingdom um, even premiered on Netflix, they already uh, green-lighted a second season. And they're like already working on that now. Of course, it, it's sad because it's not going to be out till next year. So it's like long time waiting and more like the, the waiting time of a, of a Western drama where you're waiting many, many months until more comes out. So I think I'm guessing they're probably going to follow up with another six episode, but it was really, really a good drama. I recommend that. But if you're like squeamish and not so good with like blood and violence, there is definitely some content not for the faint of heart. Tiff and I were not freaked out by that. We can easily handle it. But we're Resident Evil, like, all-stars here. Like, yeah. You can't horrify us after all those zombies we have killed in those series. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we're very desensitized. Very. To the content. So that was one. So I, I really want to get Tiff to watch that and I think you all need to convince her to watch it too. So if you get to the blog and find my um, post featured there about um, watching Kingdom, please leave a comment and, and tell her she needs to 
get working on watching that one because we've been talking about it for quite some time. Of course, I didn't have the patience and I'm like, I can't wait any longer. So I ended up watching it. Let's see, other things I've been watching on Netflix, Romance is a bonus book with Lee Jong-suk. Uh, you all know that I really enjoy his dramas and I recently posted about six reasons that you need to be watching a drama. It's very much the Anuna romance and as uh, Lee Jong-suk is constantly referred to as a Nuna killer for having such great chemistry with the older female uh, starring next to him. I think that's been, some people haven't liked the beginning too much, but I actually have been really enjoying the drama from week to week. We're up to, I think, eight episodes after this weekend's episodes. And it's been very enlightening and interesting Especially because you have Unho, who is a little bit younger, and he's kind of liked her since they were they were children. Because there's a circumstance that brings them together. Of course, I'm trying not to spoil Tiff as well. But um, basically, we get into the classic unrequited love territory, where you can clearly see how much he likes her, but she just kind of refers to him as the, as like a little brother and doesn't see him that way. So it's kind of fun as you start to see him get more jealous and all of these things start happening in the story between them. And oh, what can I say without spoiling? Okay, Try not to spoil Tiff. spoil me. I can handle it. <laughs> Um, I don't know what to say without without uh, spoiling it, but I really do like uh, Danny's character, especially because she's like an older woman who, you know, she has a 12 year old daughter now. She's been out of work for many years because her husband had been providing for her. So she stayed home. It was just her choice, not that she was made to. You know, she kind of decided to postpone her career to, to raise her daughter. But when things don't work out with her husband, the cheating scumbag that he is, and it ends up in a messy divorce, and poor Danny literally loses everything because, of course, her douchebag of a husband, um, his company ends up going bankrupt. So she's literally has no money and she's like literally hiding in in their old dilapidated house that's like ready to be torn down. It's really sad but kind of I guess relatable to her struggles. And so she's been trying really hard to get back into work. And she has a good resume, but like I said, she hasn't worked for over 12 years and She's having a hard, hard time securing a job. Like, she goes everywhere, and people just think that, you know, she's way too old. And not only is she too old, but they're like, oh, you haven't been working for this long. While everybody else was working hard to get to their position, what were you doing? Because they don't see raising a child as any kind of, I guess, commendable deed. So basically think that poor Danny's, like, sat around and done nothing. So kind of like how the story shows that realistic aspect that getting a job 
is not that easy, no matter where in the world you are, even whether there's economical issues or not. There's so many trials that they put you through, and I just really related to Danny and felt that her character was like, I guess one of the most realistic and down-to-earth ones that I've seen yet, because she's, uh, she's a very sweet person and very kind, and she keeps trying hard. And, and this whole time, while she's been divorced for, like, over a year and, like, living in a house with no electricity, water, heat, nothing. She's literally going there just to sleep. And all this time, her uh, friend, Unho, never even knew. So then the story really gets interesting when he finds out and he flips a gasket. Because, of course, they know everything about each other, but she never told him all about this. And fast forward a bit, they end up um, basically living together because Danny's kind of been staying at his house and pretending to be a housekeeper. I mean, she's actually been cleaning up, but it was kind of funny in the beginning where he's like calling her on the phone and she's actually at his place. And he's like, yeah, that made you hired. It's like, she's only been like doing like a half a day's of work. It's like, I think she takes showers at my house. And, like there's rice missing out of the rice cooker. And there's like all these little things that are like missing and disappearing. And here, because she's been kind of like using some things at his place without him knowing, which of course he doesn't care at the end because he like takes her in at the heartbeat because he never wants her to struggle. He's, he's totally cute and adorable. So then they finally end up living together. So I'm kind of telling this for both you and Tiff a bit. And Danny um, is really still trying to get a job. So she happens to see this like kind of, not really a job application, but like a, a job ad that uh, Unho had left on the counter at his place. And she sees, oh, at his publication company that he works at, there's a position for hire. But of course, it's like this, uh, like task coordinator. And it's poor, it's like way beneath uh, Danny's qualifications because she has like college degree and she has all of these qualifications. Well, for this job, you just need it to basically be at least, well, I don't think there was even a job restriction. Uh, I think all you needed was at least like a high school diploma. So she literally like dumbs down her own resume and ends up scoring this job. And so we've been seeing lately, they've been like working together. And then there's this other cute guy who Danny ran into on the street who likes her and is trying to date her. And now we have jealous Unho trying to get in the middle. Like, no, he's a jerk. Why do you want to date him? And it's funny because he's trying to find all these reasons that they shouldn't be together. But he's really adorable. And it's really tough because even the second male lead is adorable. So it's like, it's, it's really tough, but what's winning over like Unho and Danny more than the other guy is I guess kind of their past and all the things that he's done for her and the things that he continues to do for her without her knowing. And 
just all the very, very thoughtful things. So we sort of, in like the eighth episode, ended up with a confession of sorts. And of course, it's like a cliffhanger. So that was just yet a Sunday's episode. So now we have to wait all the way to Saturday to see, oh, it's magic episode number nine. Are we going to get a kiss? Is there going to be more confessions? Because uh, it kind of seems like Danny may possibly be having some romantic feelings for Unho, who she always thought of as her little brother. Especially when he, like, pushed her on the ground and he was, like, on top of her and then her heart started to beat. And she's like, what is this? Why is my heart beating from Uno? So we're on the cusp of hopefully something happening there. But, yes, I'm gushing over that drama. It may not be as, like, exciting and full-out rom-com as the other dramas. But I just kind of really like the more honest, realistic, down-to-earth depiction especially because she's I think they said 37 so she's getting up there in age and nobody wants to give her a chance so I'm enjoying her kind of reinventing herself and finding a way to make people give her uh, another chance or to look at her a second time so that drama is definitely also on my radar and I continue to watch that I'm watching many more too as I was telling Tiff um, I've almost finished uh, Clean with Passion for now. I have one more episode I've been holding off, so I'll be done that. And I also started watching My Ideas Gangnam Beauty, which deals with the girl who was heavily bullied and everyone thought she was so ugly that she ended up getting plastic surgery before she went into college and she kind of has a new face because even her own father doesn't recognize her initially. So she kind of had a... A lot of different plastic surgery done and I like that the I like it so far I, I think I'm only around episode five or six now so we still have a, a long way to go but I like that the drama showing that it's not all perfection and rainbows and butterflies now that she's gotten you know this plastic surgery and she is pretty and she's definitely getting more attention but it also sucks because uh, she even, one of the jerk guys who liked her, who she didn't end up liking, was calling her like a plastic monster and all these really horrible things and saying like, oh, you're a Gangnam beauty, basically saying that she is plastic and fake and has noticeably had all these things done. So I'm liking the story dealing with all of those issues. So I'll probably, probably talk about that more or at least blog about it more. And I think I'm watching a few others, but <laughs> I won't go into all of them because Tiff will just be like, she's like sitting here listening very deeply, <laughs> absorbing everything I'm saying yes. about all of these dramas. It's like, overload. <laughs> yes, because I'm, I'm watching way too much and that's just a few things. <laughs> As I started watching way more, as I said, the podcast is definitely going to be more regular. We're going to set a day that we record this sucker and we're going to try to keep that, that schedule going and record content ahead of time and find a way for Tiff to watch internet. 
Oh, hey, look, <laughs> it wouldn't be a podcast without some kind of interruption. Sounds like either the cop cars or the ambulance. Welcome to City Life. Well, on a random note, we had someone who forgot to put the parking brake on and they ran through a doctor's office today. Anyway. So, yeah. Um, basically, for me, the Danxia Wuxia novels that I'm reading are hold it. Are you done now? Uh, anyway, um, a really big popular one that I somehow got sucked into is Modao Zushi. Uh, I don't know how it happened. Just one day, I uh, was messing around on the anime website that I watch, and there it was. And I watched it, and I'm like, oh shit, now I'm addicted. <laughs> Alright, so tell us, what is this one about? Oh, great, I have to go explain. Okay, um, basically, there are the type of people called cultivators. They... Um, gather spiritual energy and they strive towards creating what's called a golden core that gives them more abilities. Basically, they kill zombies and undead thingies and evil spirits and ghosts and they deal with things like that. And um, the main character was a bit of a bad boy. Well, not that he was a very bad boy. Basically, in his first life, he uh, went from being just this carefree goofball to becoming the Grandmaster of Demonic Cultivation, which is actually what the English title is. And he had to cultivate the heretic path because of something that happened to him. I don't want to give it away. But he didn't mean to go so far and doing a lot of bad things. And in the end, he went too far and he was executed for it. Although he claimed that actually his um, bad powers had backfired on him and that's why he died. But anywho, uh, 10 years after he had died, all of a sudden he's been resurrected in someone else's body through the use of a uh, forbidden spell that causes a caster to lose their own life and their soul is taken into the ground and then the new soul is put in. Now, it's not possession, because possession's where the spirit themselves of that person forcefully takes over the body. This was a uh, forced sacrifice, as the main character calls it. Um, I forgot to, forgot to say his name. His name is Wei Wushan. And basically, he has to go pretend that he is the owner of the body. Many hijinks occur because he, the owner of the body had turned into a lunatic due to abuse from his mother's family and his father's uh, sect. And well, anyway, there's his main love uh, person has been in love with him since they were like 15. And yes, they're both dudes, as I had said before. Yeah, boy love. But it's, it's like, I really like um, the guys in love with him. His name is uh, Lan Wanji. That's not their actual real name. That's what's called a courtesy name. Uh, Wei Wushan's real name is Wei Ying, and Lan Wanji's actual name is Lan Zhen. But anyway, Lan Zhen's been in love with Wei Ying, like, since they were, like, 15. Because Wei Ying was being a complete, like, pain in the ass to him. And I guess it got to him because Lan Zhen's clan, um, well, sect, they're very strict. They're not allowed to have excessive emotion. They're not allowed to run around and be a complete goofball. While Wei Ying was adopted by a friend of his mother's, and he had all the freedom, and his adopted father let him do whatever he wanted, which caused a lot of strife within 
his adopted family's life. It's a lot of things that happened, but basically, uh, Weying was brought back to right a uh, wrong, although he can't fully fix it due to the fact that uh, death is permanent when it comes to certain things, especially when someone cuts another person's body up and causes that person to become a resentful spirit. Yeah, a lot of crap goes on, and of course Weying has to deal with the consequences of his first life, because he did a lot of shit, he killed a lot of people. Like, a lot. But it's just really cool because the love aspect is so adorable. Because Lan Chan would do anything for Wei Ying. And it's kind of sad because Wei Ying didn't actually know that Lan Chan, like, truly loved him. He just thought that he was just going along with his stupidity. It took Lan Chan's older brother to tell him, like, uh, dude, his biggest mistake was falling in love with you because you're a complete idiot. He nearly lost, like, his own life because uh, Lan Chan had did something very naughty right before um, being separated from Wei Ying, and yeah, let's just say that it was not pretty. So for 13 years, poor Lan Chen was pining over his love, and when he found out that Wei Ying was killed, three years after they were separated, he just fell apart, basically, and just, as the author described it, his face looked as if his wife had died. So basically, because Wei Ying had died. He was just miserable. But it's adorable at the very end. Very cute. I read um, the main story being translated already, but there's extras. I read a few of the extras online. It's really fun. And then there is uh, Scum Villain's self-saving system. It's made, it's written by the same author as Modao Zushi. And I can't pronounce the author. Like, the initials are MXTX. Don't even ask me how to pronounce it. I really can't. <laughs> but that one, and I kind of like this uh, type of style story, is where a person's reading a story, and it's, like, poorly written. So the reader's like, oh, this is a piece of crap. I could do better. It's like, why, author, did you write so crappily? Well, uh, the reader whose name... Oh, God, what is his name? I can't remember his real name. But anyway, he gets transmigrated into the novel that he had finished reading. He actually died of food poisoning because he was so pissed off about how bad the book was. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Of all things, you die of food poisoning. Yeah, apparently, they also said that he actually had died of food poisoning because he was like so ticked at how bad the story had ended. Well, anyway, he gets transmigrated into the novel as the scum villain. <laughs> Basically, in the novel... His character was such a nasty dude who would like, sleep around, he would abuse his disciple, he was arrogant, and his way of dying was that he was turned into a human matchstick. Basically, um, the protagonist, Luo Binga, he uh, put his body through this like metal ring around his like center, cut off his arms and legs, <laughs> thus he was a human matchstick. Yeah. So... Now, our transmigrated reader has to pretend to be this character, and it's just a complete mess. For one, he's got a potty mouth, so I love him. Um, two, he's trying to figure out, there's an expression called hugging the protagonist's thighs, or hugging the golden thighs. Basically, becoming best buddy buddies and treating the protagonist well so that they don't get killed. Because there's, there's two other novels that I read that have the same uh, premise. 
And the other one I'll get to, too. But, so basically, he has to pretend to be this dude named Shen... Oh, God, I'm going to say it wrong. It's Q... It's like, the initials are SQQ, but nonetheless. I, I can't pronounce it properly because there's too many Qs, but anyway. Basically, he's a teacher, I guess you could say. He's teaching the disciples how to uh, cultivate. He has another cultivating novel. It's very popular. It's usually cultivators that are being transmigrated for the most part. And, well, so he's being really nice to Luo Bing, but things change because the protagonist originally went from being a sweet little thing who's being abused by his teacher to uh, unlocking his heritage. He's half demon, half human. And then because he was thrown into this abyss for, for five years, he becomes like really wicked and, he, and he's like all nice on the outside, but on the inside he's quite wicked and he kills people. And then he has a harem of like over 300 women, human and not human. And that's how he was supposed to be. But thanks to his shizun, or Shizun, I don't know how to pronounce it correctly, which is transmigrated uh, reader's character, he goes and turns into a puppy dog addicted to his Shizun. And all you hear Aww. is him like, Shizun! Shizun! <laughs> but, of course, in order to keep the protagonist on the right path, because he has to power up, he has to unlock his demon blood, and he has to become super badass. So he has, he has no choice but to push this poor baby into the abyss. And oh, he's no. very devastated about a baby. it. Yeah, he, Into he, the abyss? He, yes. This poor thing. And, okay, so he's supposed to come back in five years. But somehow he came back in three. That's the first thing that alarmed our poor, uh, I'll just call him the main character. Anyway, our poor main character is like, why is he back so soon? And why is he still trying to be buddy-buddy with me? Although he's still mad at him because, I mean, who would be mad when you're thrown into a hellhole? And then some crap goes down. I don't want to, like, spoil the whole thing, but lots of crap goes down. And he doesn't trust Binga. Or I should really call him Bing Mei. Mei is usually tr as a term, like, at the end for, like, a little sister. See? And then um, they would call the original protagonist Bing Ge, as in Big Brother, because he was, like, a stud. And he would have, like, his harem and bang everyone. Women at that time. But anyway... So, poor little Bing Mei is, like, all upset because his Shizun doesn't want to be buddy-buddy with him anymore. He's like, why do you call one else's name but not mine? And then he gets a bit Yandera. Actually, he gets really, really Yandera. Um, in case you know what that means, it means, like, he's, like, psycho, like, in love or, like, psycho-obsessed. And, like, he goes absolutely crazy when anyone even looks at his Shizun. Yeah. And then, like, a lot of more, like, madcap happens where poor Shizun is thrown into the cultivator jail and... See, there, there's a system, and he has to have points. Well, and he's trying to figure out why is the protagonist not getting all these cool points. It's because he's not hooking up with the women! <laughs> he's supposed to get these points from hooking up with the women, but he's not hooking up with anyone. And so, uh, the main character's in the jail. He was beaten up by the, uh, the sect that owns the jail, the, the daughter. Beat him up with a whip. So his clothes are a bit torn. Well, Bing Mei's getting all mad at him because he's like, why won't you be nice to me, Shizun? And then when he reaches out to grab the main character, his robe rips. Oh, no. Oh, no, indeed. <laughs> and it's called Small Scenario Pusher is what it's called. Trying to alleviate Bing Mei's uh, anger. And, um, well, Bing Mei ends up turning very bright red and horrified because apparently seeing his shoes in, in an improper uh, way is too much for his libido. <laughs> 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 so he storms off. 
So that was really funny. And just there's a lot of misunderstandings because the main character keeps seeing Big May as the original protagonist. The original protagonist was very, very ruthless. Not Big May. He's really not that bad. He's actually a cinnamon roll. But there's certain things he has to do because his demon blood is awakened. Because he has issues being that, you know, he's cultivating normally, but yet he's cultivating demonically. And when you have these two opposite energies, it's just wreaking havoc on his body. And, um, Shizun, our beloved Shizun, I'm just gonna call him that for now because I just can't see his name properly. Anyway, he had to fake his own death in order to not become the human matchstick, but also to help poor little Bing Mei because the sword that he had gotten from the abyss basically is like trying to take over him and it was just really bad. So he fakes his death by having a, uh, a seed body from this like miraculous plant. So he has his soul eject from his original body into the seed body because he had help from um, another character. I forgot to mention that uh, the main character is one of what's called a peak lord. Different little mountain peaks in this sect. But anyway, the funny part is he actually meets the author inside the novel. Somehow the author had gotten electrocuted and got inside the novel, but he was transmigrated as a baby while our main character was an adult and already a master and had the immortal body. Cause that's like the goal of cultivation is to become immortal. So it was a bit of a mess. And then of course, Bing Mei threw a temper tantrum and went kind of crazy cause his season had died in front of him. And he's like, I didn't want to kill you, come back. And then, Except for when I said he's Yandara, he really is because he kept his Shizun's body for five years. Every night he would be half naked, giving it spiritual energy to fix it. <laughs> okay. And like, and like, yeah, like another peak lord has been trying to get the body back for five years. Cause that's how long that uh, the main character was gone. And like, he's like, that's your Shizun, you animal. Because <laughs> like to an ordinary person, it looks like he would commit a necrophilia, but he wasn't. But it was kind of troublesome. But anyway, so just lots of misunderstandings. I didn't read the whole novel because it hasn't been fully translated, but it's just very entertaining and Bing Mei. Like, it's so obvious to everyone that he is in love with his season, except for his season. He's such an idiot. But yeah, at first he thought that he had turned Bing Mei asexual because he wasn't hooking up with anyone. He quickly realized that he had raised the protagonist to be gay and he was horrified. It's like, dude, if you stop being all nice to him, it wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. But he coddled the poor thing. So that's where we are right now. So I don't know what's going to happen in the end. Like, I've read some spoilers, but I have to wait. I think chapter D9, I think was the last one I read. Yeah. Wow. And how many chapters are there supposed to be? Uh, the main story, I think there's like 80 something. And then there's extras. Yeah. So that one's fun. Just because I love how like, the system he gets penalized. Like, in the very beginning, he can't be out of character. He's supposed to be this complete dickhead until he finishes one of the missions and the out-of-character uh, button got unfrozen and he just started hugging the protagonist's size so that he'd be nice to him and not turn him into the human matchstick. <laughs> and then uh, the next one I'm reading, also from the same author, is Heavenly Official's Blessing. Are you sensing a trend here? Yes, there is. <laughs> this author is very good. Uh, but this one's actually not, like... I mean, there is some cultivation, but that's not, like, the whole point of it. Basically, there is a prince that became a god three times. A lot of uh, misfortune occurred because 
instead of following the rules of being a god, he wanted to do things himself because he believes in saving the common folk. But he went around the wrong way the first time he became a god, and he actually brought pestilence and destruction to his own kingdom. So he got booted out of heaven. And something happened. I don't think it's been said yet. Because there's like over 240 chapters. I'm only on chapter, I think, 80. Wow. Are these long chapters, too? Some of them are long, some of them are shorter. Um, But basically, so, second time he gets booted out of heaven, I haven't read yet what actually happens. And then the third time is where we're like in current book time, where he somehow sends again, and they're like, oh god, here he's back again. But a lot of crap's going on. And you find out that some of the baddies are actually like really closely related literally to our poor boy his name is uh i'm really bad pronouncing this he leon and basically uh there's some calamities they're like supreme ghosts they're demons and what poor boy didn't know is that there's a demon lord who's been in love with him for 800 years all because when uh he was a small child and human he had nothing to really live for because he was an abused child, was starving, beaten up, didn't really have a family that cared for him. And he's like, what's the point of living? And Julian said, well, if you can't find anything to live for, then live for me. Famous last words. So that poor little boy joined the army to be with him and then weeped as our poor little god fucked up royally. And then throughout those 800 years, it hasn't... I haven't gone to, like, where, it, like, how he actually became a demon king, because it's not translated that far yet. But somehow he became a demon king named, um, Hua Cheng. No, Hua Chong. Yeah, C-H-E-N-G is opinion. So the E has a that awesome. Yeah, anyway, he becomes a demon king, and he's, like, the one the most feared because he messed with the people in heaven. He had a, like, martial contest and a literary contest, and he beat them both and shamed three, 33 of them. Like, just absolutely, like, made them embarrassed as heck. And he actually destroyed their temples because they lost. He's a bit fiery, but he really loves Shaylion and is just adorable. But he, when he first met with Shaylion, like, in modern time, he told him to call him Sanlong, which means third brother. It's adorable. Yeah, and he always wears red. He only has one eye because uh, he had dug out his right eye in order to make his scimitar eming. Of course, that's actually a spoiler because it hasn't been translated yet. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Whoops! <laughs> anyway, like I said before, I kind of got spoiled a little bit. But anyway, he, he's missing his right eye. He wears a, like in his real form, he has a, an eye patch. And uh, he has silver van braces. They go on the wrist. And then he has these pretty boots that make jingly sounds. And he also has these little silver butterflies that he can conjure up. And they're really cute. Everyone thinks that they're scary up in heaven. But Jaleon thinks that they're absolutely adorable. And then they have misadventures. And that's really as far as I got. Well, the current not uh, chapter is where they got back from doing the flashback. What happened when he the first time was a god. And now he's having a fight with one of the other uh, calamities. And I can't give out the identity of this calamity due to the fact that uh, it's a huge spoiler. But he's having a fight with this individual. And of course, his uh, beloved Sung Long is not there to save his blood. Um, so that's as far as I got, but it's really cute. Uh, this one's not overly sexual. And uh, Mo Dao Sushi, like, our dear Wei Ying was being a pervert and taking advantage of our drunk loan charm. Anyway, 
So that's the three by that author, and then I'm reading Spirit Hotel. I like it a lot. It has a lot of funny characters. Basically, the main character, uh, Faisha, he quit his job at a hotel because his boss was an asshole and a stingy one at that. And so he's looking for another job to work in a hotel. And he finds a job recruitment for this obscure hotel he's never heard of. And he meets someone, like a, I guess an acquaintance or a friend, whom he hasn't seen in a week. And the friend looks like he's been through a lot. <laughs> so our dear Fisher goes into this hotel called Noah's Ark. And to his absolute horror, this is not a normal hotel. The CEO is a fallen angel. The room guy is an invisible person. Um, one of the workers is a vampire. The chef is a werewolf. Uh, there is a gnome there. And there is a very high angel by name, a Metatron, who's on like the very top, like for very high up in this hotel. There's like an infinite amount of floors. I think, did I forget any other characters? Oh, and there's also the, the, the guard, like security guard, uh, Azza Kritos, but he goes by Azza. Well, he finds out that Noah's Ark is a place where all these different races come. Oh, it's also an elf. I almost forgot about the elf. It's also an elf. Anyway, there's all these different creatures come there to meet between the nine realms because God has a human world separated from the land of the gnome and the land of the uh, titans, which is what Asa is, and the elf land and heaven and hell and all that fun stuff. And of course, there's a lot of problems between the races. Uh, of course, obviously, the angels and the demons are not gonna like each mm -hmm. other. Yeah, not gonna play nice. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the elves or fairies, I think maybe they actually might be fairies, all the fairies, I don't know what they are. They're pretty critters, that's all I know. Anyway, the pretty winged ones, they have their own problems with the other races, the invisible people, too, and so on and so forth. And poor Faisha has to deal with all this. But Faisha has a coping mechanism. He's a complete asshole. And he likes to play games with the other ones and trick them and total make total fools out of them. And he's a very bad mouth on them, too. So the poor boy has to deal with everyone's love life problems. Jin, who's the vampire, and Hughes, who's the invisible man, they're together. And Jin is very open about their sexual relationship. And yes, they're both dudes. Everyone in Noah's Ark. But not everyone's hooking up. So Faisha has to do deal with a lot of shenanigans from Jin. Because Jin's a panda butt. And Jin always threatens to eat him. So there's a lot of chaos with that. There's chaos with the pretty elf, whose name I can't remember. And they have issues with the demons. They actually have this uh, demon child, who's the son of one of the demon kings, come in, and he's a complete little pain in the butt. So Faisha and some of the workers teach the kid a lesson. And instead of the father getting angry about it, he was quite happy that someone put the kid in his place. Because he was going to have an angel try to rectify his bad behavior. Now the CEO, his name is Isafel, and he's very cold. And you find out that he was booted out of heaven because one of his fellow angels had died in front of him and he didn't try to help them. He didn't do anything. So his sin was a sin of coldness, which is not one of seven deadly sins. And thus he did not actually go into hell, but he was a fallen angel. Had he gone to hell, supposedly hell would have got the upper hand and the angels would have got smished. Well, anyway, somehow our dear Faisha falls in love with Isafel. And it's a bit complicating that, you know, one's human and one's fallen angel. Two, Isafel eventually uh, atones for his sin and is sent back to heaven. Because I'm right at the end of the main story. I'm on chapter 99. There's a hundred chapters in the main story. So hopefully there will be a very happy reunion. And not be happy. But yes, poor little Faisha was so upset 
And Jin played a little trick on him. So when he left the uh, hotel, because humans stay a week in human time, but a year in no arc time. Um, so, but somehow Layton, who is the gnome, accidentally got locked out of the hotel as well. Jin was playing a very naughty trick on them. And I think in 99 they may have got back to the hotel, I think, or they're about to get back to the hotel. I forgot. I, re I read the chapter earlier, but my brain's fried. So basically that's where it is. So I don't know like how the reunion is going to go between Fesha and Isabel. So there's that one. That one's just really adorable. Mm -hmm. And the bickering, just the fact that Fesha is such a conniving two-faced prick. I just love them. Mm -hmm. And then another one of the uh, sucked into a novel one that I just finished. It was called The Reader and the Protagonist Have to Be in, I think it's True Love? Or Have to Be in Love? And that's, again, that's another where the reader's not happy with the book. But this guy is a troll on the author's website making comments contrary to what he feels. He loves his novel, although it's a little uh, cliche in the beginning. So he writes this obnoxious, scathing review, trashing it. So the author's response is simply understood. And that's where he made his greatest mistake. The author goes, takes the story from just kind of cliche, a normal stallion where, you know, guys getting laid by every woman their son, and then just turns the protagonist dark. The guy's killing everyone and their mother, and he's all alone. And the big thing about the protagonist is that he's descended from the eight races. So in his blood are the blood of eight races, and he can turn into each of these eight forms as time progresses. Well, he didn't know this until they were in some secret laboratory at his school, and he turns into a lick, or a lich. Lich, I think that's how you say it. Basically, it's an undead sorcerer. So those things happen. He ends up in the nowhere land. I don't remember the proper name, but it's like no man's land. Well, anyway, our dear uh, reader, Duze, shoots himself in the foot by being so mean to the author. Because the author makes it really, really vulgar and nasty. Not vulgar, like, sexually, but just like the... Well, there is that too. He has, like, all these women. But anyway. So, Duze orders the book of the novel because the novel got published. Well, he ends up not getting a copy of the novel. He gets a copy of a doujinshi. A gay doujinshi. He opens this baby up and he's transported inside the novel. <laughs> doujinshi with him for the entire trip. And this is where it really gets interesting. Because he knows what the series is about in the book, he's trying to not meddle too much with the uh, story. But he has an ability. Every day at midnight his body resets back to original condition. Which is good. But he has a bigger problem. Duzje or how do you say it? It's D-U and then Z-E because I know like there's a Z-H sounds, sounds more like a J. I'm really bad at reading an opinion. Um, anyway, he actually has really bad eyesight and he is almost completely deaf. So he has hearing aids and he has glasses. Well, of course, when you're in a place that doesn't have an electrical outlet, his hearing aids are going to run out of power and he's not going to hear anything. Well, when the strike of midnight hits, all of a sudden, everything gets reset. His hearing aids now have full power again. If he had any injuries, they are now healed. He no longer has to eat. <laughs> But anyway, so he meets up with the protagonist and things don't go very well. The protagonist ends up sucking his soul out because he's hungry. Because apparently licks need to eat souls. But he tries to be buddy-buddy. And the really what's funny when they first meet is that in the actual novel, there is this demon cat with nine tails that meets the protagonist. And the cat goes, of course, meow. Well, <laughs> when Duze meets the protagonist, his name's Shu. X-I-U. I tried learning how to pronounce it properly. It's like 
Hugh. But anyway, um, he the douche actually goes meow instead of the cat. <laughs> it just it just spirals into just super awkwardness. Duse, I guess because of his hearing issues and the fact that he's super antisocial, he has like no emotion on his face. And his voice is very robotic due to his hearing difficulty. So it's really hard to be social with Hugh. So yeah, there's a lot of misunderstandings. But in this novel, there's a lot of um lemons, if you know what those are. Um some happy, happy boy time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> many, many moments. We'll leave it at that. Hugh is a very uh, sexual creature. And when he turns into different forms, he's hornier in some than others. And they do it all the forms. <laughs> but, like, I just really like the ca- There's lots of characters. Duse um, gets himself into a lot of trouble. Uh, I just thought it was really entertaining. I was also, like, I-, I do have to admit that the author was very good at writing their smut. Like, I was kind of shocked. But anyway... So there's that one. And then the final one I'm reading is another reader into the book. You see, I have a problem. I really like this genre. And somehow she's keeping all of these straight. For the most part. Yeah. And the last one is, I think, the protagonist tries or wants to capture me every day. The titles are a little, little blur. And then this person is... Um, okay, so what was the deal with this novel? It was another novel where... The main character gets killed by the protagonist because he's bad to the protagonist. But this one's quite entertaining. Like, if you think that Luo Bingha was a Yandara, holy crap. This boy, his name is, I think, Xu Xu. Yeah, it's X-I-E and then X-U. See, these X's just screw me up. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so that's the protagonist. I'm just going to call him X-Boy because I really, really can't <laughs> say this name. Or, or like maybe Shuer, maybe I'll call him that, because that's usually used as like a cutesy name. But anyway, so anyway, main character, reading a book, I think it's like called Immortal Sword something was the name of the book, and how did he get sucked in? I'm trying to remember how this guy got sucked in. Hmm, I actually can't remember how it happened, see, I'm reading too much. Anyway, he gets sucked in, he is an elder disciple of a cultivation sect. He's very mean to his Shidi, which is a uh, younger brother disciple. And of course, that is our Shuer. And like, he's really, really terrible. Like the actual like, original character that he's transmigrated into, like just really, really mean, abusing the poor kid. And at that time, little Shuer was only 13. But anyway, there is this fruit that unlocks a seal inside the protagonist. And of course, um, our main character has to give it to him, but it's gonna hurt, because it's poisonous, but it won't kill the kid. So the kid's not very happy with him, he hates him. And well, in order for protagonist to cultivate properly, he needs to have these wounds fixed because if not, he's gonna go into a chi deviation. When you go into a chi deviation, basically you have hallucinations, you lose control of your spiritual powers, you can kill yourself or others. So in order to fix these internal injuries that the uh, that the main character's original the original person did, he has to put his spiritual energy into the chest of Little Shuer every night. Well, eventually the little boy catches on to this and he's angry because he thinks that he's being molested. That he thinks that his uh, Shishong, which is like the elder disciple, is being a pervert. So he comes after his Shishong and stabs him in the shoulder. But he thought that the main character would deflect it, but no, he let him stab him. And the poor boy is all upset. He's like, oh no, I stabbed my Shishong. And then uh, the main character tells him, well, you know, I'm actually trying to help you. I'm fixing your boo-boos. 
so that you can cultivate. But then this poor little thing becomes quite happy that his Shishong is being nice to him, that when his Shishong doesn't come at night anymore to fix his boo-boos, he feels very lonely without the warmth of his spiritual energy. So he takes his pillow and his blanket and comes over to the main character's room. No, actually it's before that. Actually, he can't sleep because apparently the spiritual energy makes him all calm and sleepy. So he storms over into the main character's room and he's like, why aren't you coming over? And he's like, little boys need to be tucked into bed. Go back to bed. He didn't like that very much. So he decides that he's going to have, he's going to sleep in the same bed with his Shishong so that he can sleep with, because I guess the, his spiritual energy makes the little guy all happy. Then that's when he starts getting really yander. He's always with his Shishong. Always wants to go where he's going. When he hears that he's going down the mountain to look for these water demons, he's coming with. <laughs> They're at an auction. He buys a pretty hairpin for his Shishong. It just, it just spirals out of control. <laughs> Like, yeah, I said before, you think that Luo Bingo is bad? No. Shu Shu is just all oh, this little thing. And then, of course, the main character has an older brother. He had a second older brother, but he was killed. Anyway, his eldest brother is a brocon. So, when anyone gets close to his little brother, he gets all upset and pretty much is in tears. And when he notices that uh, the main character's little Shidi is getting really, really close to his little brother, he's not happy. Because... Pretty much, it's obvious to everyone but the main character that his little Shady is very attached to him. I mean, the kid's sleeping in the same bed as him for years. And it just spirals out of control when there is a immortal conference. And they have to go inside this, like, unholy mausoleum or something. And it's only open for a little bit and then it's shut for ten years. Well, in the original novel, the protagonist is the one who gets stuck in the mausoleum for ten years. Cultivates and becomes... Like, super-powered. Well, things did not go according to plan. One, they get stuck in a uh, dreamlike world, and he discovers that his little Sheedy's greatest dream is to marry him! That was horrifying. Ooh. And then, in order to save his little Sheedy from being stuck there, for some reason, he decides that he's going to lie to his little Sheedy, saying, oh yeah, I'll be right behind you. Basically, uh, Shuer ends up outside, but um, Shongyu, which is, of course... The main character ends up stuck inside the mausoleum for nearly a full 10 years. He gets out like a month early and things just go very south. His little Shidi turns into a mass murderer of evil cultivators. Ooh. Yeah, and like he becomes even more Yandera than he was before. And there's this funny thing he likes to say. Um, Shushu likes to say that I want to eat fish. Well, apparently um, Zhong Yu's name, I think it's his first name, means fish. And I think we can get what he means by eating. Oh, yeah. Yes. And he's a little deviant. He really, really wants to eat fish. And he he, he gets to eat fish. He does. But, like, like, he is, like, psycho. Anyone that even comes near his Shishong, he goes nuts about. He sneaks into um, the main character's residence. He's always there. Whenever the main character isn't near his little Shidi, he gets really upset and angry. And see, they have another disciple, the third disciple. Because it goes um, Shung Yu, which is the main character. Then it goes Xu Zhu. And then it's the third. Who I don't think I've ever heard the third disciple's name. But yeah, the first poor third disciple. He's always seen the shenanigans. And he, he figured out very early on that, that they got something going on. Even though the main character has no idea they have something going on. The main character keeps trying to get um, Shuer to get with women. But no. He doesn't want the women. He gets very upset. He chases away all the women. He gets in tears whenever the main character wants to try to hook him up with someone. And, like, it's just 
ridiculous how many of the harem members he just does not want to hook up with. <laughs> so like, I got to the part where they're stuck with these demonic cultivators after um, Shuer had eaten some more fish. <laughs> oh, it's, it's really funny if you can deal with the fact that like, you have this like complete lunatic who's always after Shushan. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, for like I just read them because they're hilarious. I love the whole sucked into a novel thing and the whole like oh crap I think I turned the protagonist gay. I mean it's not funny to like laugh about someone's sexuality, but it's just how dense these main characters are. It's like hello, you offer them to sleep with you in the same bed, you coddle them like ridiculously coddle them from an early age. Basically, you've groomed these poor kids into liking you, and you're wondering why they're not hooking up with women. <laughs> hello. <laughs> so yeah, so that's basically what those. I just like cutesy things. I don't care what gender the main characters are. If it's cute, if it's funny, if I'm gonna laugh my ass off, especially with the systems that uh, Scum Villain and uh, the everyday the, the protagonist wants to capture me because like they have to get a certain about points. Like those just make me laugh. And even in um, the reader and protagonist definitely have to be in love. Like even then there's a system there too because he's restricted from certain spoilers. But I just like that. It's just fun. It's like living inside a video game basically. And I love video games as you heard me gushing about Devil May Cry 5 earlier. And here mm -hmm. I am, just goxing for a really long time about <laughs> uh, Chinese boy love novels. But yeah, I read that like, they're really cracking down on that. Um, the author of the first three novels had two of them like flagged and they're taken down. It's a shame that there's a lot of censorship there, but it is China and like there's nothing I can do about it. That's just a shame because the writing yeah. is fun. Absolutely hilarious. I'm just really glad that um, the first two novels by that author are completely done. The uh, groups that are uh, doing the translating, they have all the raws, so it's not as if they can't translate anymore. They exist. It's fine. Well, actually, even the third novel is finished too. From what I understand, the author's working on fourth. Hopefully, you should be able to continue. There is what's called a Donwa, that is the Chinese version of an anime. Modazushi had their first season last year. There is a second season coming out in July of this year. Supposedly, Scum Villain and Heaven's Official Blessings are also getting their Donwas. We're supposed to get one, like, now for Scum Villain, but now they're saying it might come in 2020. And for Heaven's Official Blessings, that's also coming out next year. I don't know. I just, it's entertaining. I like the characters. I like the silliness. I like the voice actors. I love hearing like the native speakers for all these. Like I can't stand dubbed. I really can't. Give me the real deal. Yep. And the subtitles and I'll be fine. Exactly. It's just, it's like, I when I first listened to like Chinese dramas, I thought the language was harsh, but for some reason after watching Modazushi, I've gotten a new appreciation for the accents in like, I guess it's, I guess it's Mandarin. That's the mm -hmm. most common. The main. Yeah, language. It's, yeah. it's it's actually really beautiful, <clears throat> and it's not as harsh as I thought it was. I don't know <clears throat> what I was watching it that made it sound so harsh, but it's actually quite po like it's really poetic. Like it's beautiful. I think it's when you first start listening to it, mm -hmm. and it's so so different. But as you start hearing yeah. it more, you know, you start to like it more and more, and it starts to sound more like musical. And yeah. that's because I watch Chinese dramas. They have so musical voices, yeah. like I was so shocked. I also watch a lot of uh, fan videos on YouTube. Like, I'm, I'm in love. I really am. Yeah. Sounds like we need to get Tiff into Chinese dramas now, too. Oh, I definitely want to get into them. I do. There was one I really wanted to watch on Netflix, and then I had no internet. Oh, computer, please don't be bad. I'm on my 11-year-old uh, piece of crap Vista desktop, because we don't have a laptop with us. Anyway, um, 
So yeah, it's basically what I'm doing. I'm just reading novels all day long. And say for watching fan videos. That's alright. I, I, I love literature. I need to get back into reading. That's my problem. Like, as much as I love watching stuff, I also like to read. Reading's fun. I would love to learn Mandarin, but holy cow, I tried just even, like, looking up stuff. And I'm like, my brain, it hurts. Too many characters, too many variances in pronunciation. Just, like, learning the difference between the SH and the X. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. Because I was watching some, like, professor, and I was just like, for the SH sound, you're going to use your tongue on the top. For the X sound, you're going to be under behind your back, lower, behind your lower teeth. I'm like, eh, I can't do it. So yes, I'm dumb white girl. <laughs> it's okay. Even um, still learning Korean. It's going slow, but it, it's still going. The good thing is having so many years of, of watching mm -hmm. dramas that you're sort of slightly familiar with basics. Not that it's a huge help, but it's definitely been an advantage. Yeah, I think my biggest problem is like there's a lot of consonant sounds that go together. I just can't do it. I don't know if it's because I'm an English speaker. It I, is. It's it's hard to learn another right. language when you're accustomed to speaking and pronunciating a certain way. Definitely takes a lot of practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I grew up speaking also German. Uh, my grandma was from Germany. My dad grew up speaking both languages and like, I can get along with German quite well, but like, when I was trying a little bit of Polish, because we have a friend from Poland, ah, just trying to pronounce the one mountain range, Beshidi, I'm like, oh my gosh, took me forever to even be able to say that. So anyway, so I've taken you all on a long, long tangent into Chinese boy love land. If you're not into that, that's fine. I won't judge you. Please don't judge me. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Just okay. another option. If I, um, to do. If, like, if you can, like, recommend even, like, normal romance books or adventure fantasy i'm totally cool with all that i would love to read different things but hopefully it has like an english translation because i don't do mandarin and i tried doing what's like the machine translating on google translate oh yeah, my gosh it, it, that was a mistake. it destroys it was a mistake language. i tried just once saying oh i wonder if i could do this the things i saw it translate like wow 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 wow, wow, wow. <laughs> never again Never again. So yeah. Okay, is there anything else on the agenda? Or have I uh, drawn us in? Because we're here at like an hour 13. And <laughs> we're still going. And I'm just going and going and going like the Energizer Bunny of nonsense. I think I'm probably going to bring us to a close. As Andrew has said, we are aiming to have at least once a week with something. Don't know what that something is. Yeah. I mean, Try to coordinate and watch. Mm-hmm. A drama or two, something we can talk about and share. Yeah, I'm currently job searching, so hopefully between finding a job and getting a job and working around her schedule, we will get an actual schedule going. So we'll see how that goes. Alrighty, people. Time to bring this baby to an end because I will be here for another hour talking about nonsense. <laughs> yeah, we need to bring it to an end. Yes, yeah, so I'm still hungry. We have some pizza. It's good. Um... If you've made it this far, we must have done something right. Thank you for listening and supporting our podcast, which is hosted by Castos. If anyone has any suggestions for future segments or recommendations for other shows to watch, or any other types of suggestions at all, please feel free to leave us a comment on the blog at startwithakdrama.com. If you have the time, please also take a moment to rate this podcast and leave us comments. We are available through Castos, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Till next time! Adios.